0: Welcome back, or welcome to Sandcast Beach Volleyball with Triborn and Travis Moerder. I hope you guys had a great Christmas, had a happy new year, hope everyone was safe and everyone is getting back out to the beaches and in those in those cold weather states. Hope you guys are uh, having fun in the snow or finding some indoor facilities. Uh, for this episode, we have part two of our St. John Smith podcast. Uh, so Tri and I haven't actually seen each other for a month. He's been out doing his uh, secret training camp in Hawaii, so that's why we were splitting this one up in two to preserve some podcasts and just because Sinjin was so good that we wanted to split it up in two and not pack all that information into one. Um, for those of you guys who who only got the 14-minute version last week, try to fix it up and put out a new version. Honestly, no idea why it came out as 14 minutes. I'd say it'd be try and i's New Year's resolution to uh, have no technological mix-ups, but I only try to set realistic New Year's resolutions, and frankly, that's just not one of them. So keep bearing with us as we uh, try to figure this technology thing out. Enjoy part two with Sinjin Smith, and we got a great lineup uh, for you guys coming up this year and uh, in the next couple weeks. So enjoy. Joy Sandcast, thank you guys, as always, for listening to the show. Cannot move on without you guys, and uh, enjoy this episode, and we appreciate you guys always. Shoots! That's something that I've been <laughs> pondering lately, because <laughs> your body will adapt to anything you give it, right?
1: Exactly right. And I used to play as a kid, like, five, man, whatever, yeah. all day. yeah. Kind of, I know it changed from when you were a kid, but, yeah. but and I hear your guys' stories, I'm like, there's no way that these guys are just, like, different human beings than me. We just train ourselves. Well, I mean, if you, we're weightlifting, maybe more in yeah. the training room. I
2: don't well, know. The, the the weightlifting thing too. I, I'm 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 a little bit skeptical about because unless you've got a specific injury that you're you're working Rehabbing. on, right? Yeah, but to go in and try and get you know strong. If it isn't really, really specific to what you're going to do out on the, on the beach, right. then you're opening yourself up for a different kind of an injury, you know. Because certain muscles are strong, and if you're using them in a different way when you're playing, then there's a, there's a chance for something to go, mm-hmm. you know. And you know, I I didn't I didn't lift ever, but I would train hard in the sand. Yeah. I would do jumps, you know. I would do one legged jumps. I would do you know what I call speed skating. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I do back and forth. You know, three steps, boom, 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 and then you know approach jumps and standing jumps. So I I would do a series of all that stuff. That's everything I would do in a game. Playing with a weight vest. That's well, that was the early on, yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's when we didn't have much time, and we could, you know, we only had like, you know. Four hours to play. <laughs> Nobody even practices for four hours for their
1: main practice. Nowadays. But that was
2: after we went through a Doug Beal trying to kill us indoor practice. <laughs> so
1: how does the body feel today?
2: Okay, I had six surgeries on on this knee, okay. and but it still works. It's all right. You know this knee. Nothing happened to it. I mean, you, you know, there's, there's little little of. things. Yeah. You know, and particularly when you don't do things regularly, you feel it, but yeah. okay. I mean, the shoulder's kind of okay. Yeah, kind of okay. <laughs> but, what you more know, you I need? I had some problems with my arm, you know, when I was playing and, yeah. you know, kind of bizarre stuff. I, I had an elbow problem. It felt like I was getting stabbed in the back of the elbow every time my elbow locked out. Oh, so when yeah. I passed the ball and when I hit the ball and I went to doctors and they go, okay, we can... It looks like you may have a spur. You know, we can do surgery. It might not be better. You may lose some mobility. And I'm just going... And then finally, somebody turned me on to this guy, kind of almost reluctantly because he was kind of a a voodoo guy.
0: Yeah.
2: And he looks at me, and he goes, it's your right shoulder, right? I go, yeah, it's my elbow, and now my shoulder kind of hurts too. He goes, okay. He goes, come here. He Grab my arm. He took my wrist. He goes, it's not your elbow. It's not your shoulder. It's your wrist. I go, I don't feel anything. He goes move your wrist. And I move this one and it stopped, right? And this one went further. And he goes, you did something when you were younger, you know, you're whatever, you fell, you uh-huh. did something and it tweaked, you know, one of the bones and and it and your body compensated and eventually it affected your elbow and eventually it affected your shoulder. We're going to fix it. <laughs> he injects something in there to numb it. He takes my hand, has oh, no. another guy take my arm and he goes, just relax bang, and just, de- <laughs> and the thing goes, you know, this loud noise, and he goes, now look at the movement, oh, oh, oh shit! <laughs> your, your elbow and shoulder problem, and I had it for a few years, I couldn't practice, oh, I man. would just jump, I would do jumps for training, and I couldn't play, and then when I'd play, I would, uh, it, you know, I was taking Meckleman, I was taking Indescent, I was taking, and then my stomach was bleeding internally, right. and then oh. I started taking... Uh, just straight aspirin, four aspirin for every game, oh, all this stuff before I said, okay, finally, I, I guess I'm going to retire. And then this guy goes, bang. He goes, you're, you'll be better in a month after years and wanting to retire and get surgery and everything else. And, and it worked. So it, yeah, it worked. So oh it got gosh. better. But he also injected after the fact this stuff called proliferant. You've heard of proliferant, right? No. No. It's supposed to kind of uh, strengthen your ligaments and tendons. It creates a scar tissue over it. But he injected it into my capsule, and it broke through the capsule and and leaked out onto the top of my hand. So it locked all these tendons so they couldn't move, right? So my hand swelled up like this. So I played a whole season with my hand taped in this. (laughs) this. And if you look back... It, old pictures, you can see, it's freaking swollen like this and taped up, but got through it, you know. And and my shoulder worked after that. Never had it, never had you know problems after what that. What season Crazy. was that, that? Oh Jesus,
0: that. was that well before or after '96? Before. 96? Okay. Oh before.
2: Okay. Yeah. Oh wow. And then I retired again in '94 because my knee was screwed, and there was something going on, and you know finally went in, and I I said you know i this is it. I'm done.
0: Yeah.
2: Let's just fix it. And I'll be done. Because I was in in 94. I was 37. Right. So that's you know, it's right. kind of the right time. Right. right? Maybe right. maybe after the right time. <laughs> but cut it open. There was a, 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 a tear in my quad tendon where it attached to my patella. So he cut out the bad tissue and I was watching the surgery. He cut Alex. out the bad tissue, drilled a hole in my kneecap, pulled it back, sewed it all up. You just watched all of it? Yeah. Well, the first, first of my six, <coughs> I didn't watch, and, and I wanted to see after that. And so I said, can you give me a, a, a spinal so I can watch? Yeah, absolutely. Just a nerve this block? Is yeah. that what that is? It, yeah. It, yeah but From the spine? Yeah. Got like it. what women get when they, you know, when they have a baby. Oh, yeah, epidural kind Epi- of thing? Yeah, exactly. Got Got exactly. So, so he fixed it, and then as I'm recuperating, I thought to myself, "Well, if he fixed it, and that's what was bugging me, why can't I continue to play?" Right.
1: <laughs>
2: so I said, "Screw it! I'm a, I'm going to go out and I'm, when it gets better, I'm going to start to train and then try and qualify for the '96 Olympics." I mean, you got and, and did the sport in; you might as well play it. Yeah. yeah, and and uh, and did. <laughs> you
0: guys
2: went the uh and this is the road much, much Rand- traveled by. <laughs> well Randy had, had already, you know, because my knee was kinda of bugged me, I was, you know, wasn't as good. Right. Still I was okay. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't as good. He he decided to go his own way. And uh, and then when I came back, he was kind of on his own way. He was playing with Adam, I think, at the time. And they were doing all right. I don't think they were killing anybody, but they were they were doing all right. And then I had to find a partner. It's a whole other story.
0: I love that story, how you found Carl Heinkel. <laughs>
2: yeah. And so just before the, uh, the qualifying started in 95, the beginning of 95, Hagen was, my wife was pregnant with Hagen. Mm-hmm. And, and the tournament, I had to leave on a Monday to get to, I think, Spain for the first tournament. And Ricky Ludis and I were going to go play. And, uh, <laughs> and get, it was before cell phones, of course. And I get home like at four in the morning and I check my messages before I get on the flight. And Ricky had called, left a message, I can't go, the AVP won't let me go. So I said, okay, great. And I I tried to figure out what I was going to do at that point. And I I started calling the guys, the four-man guys. And, And Carl was one of my first calls. And he got back to me pretty quickly. He goes, "What's up?" I go, "Would you like to play and try and qualify for the Olympics?" And he said, "Well, I don't, I don't know. What you know? How much time do I have to think about?" It? I go, "You got to, <laughs> I don't know, you know, ten seconds, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> somebody else would be calling, calling back, you know, pretty soon anyway." Right. He goes, "Yeah, I'm in." I go, "Okay, get a ticket to Spain. Let's go." And you know, boom, we went, wow. and we were, we were. Um, at that time, for the 96 Olympics, if a country had a... Well, first of all, we get one automatic berth because we were the host country. Ah. But we had the ability, like every other country, to get two teams, other teams.
1: Two more? Yeah. So oh, this is right. just it's in 96.
2: Just in 96. So...
1: Should that I was the alternate last time.
2: So um, if, if you had a team finishing in the top eight... In a second one in the top twenty-four, you could have two teams. Mm-hmm. Um, so we finished, I, I forget what it was, maybe fourth in the world at the time, and and Bersinio and Williams finished 17th or something. So we had two positions. The AVP at that this is just just for this Olympics. There was all kinds of bickering going back right. and forth. The FIB. So the FIB said, okay. Fine. Your number one team will be your automatic berth for the country, and the AVP had nothing to do with the USAV. They weren't even talking with each other, and and however the USA wants to deal with the other two positions because you've earned them, you you know you go for it. So they, they figured out a way to do it, and they had an event, and mm-hmm. and that's how uh, Karchin Kent and Mike and Mike ended up qualifying through that event. Mm. And then everything changed after that.
0: Did you um, watch the trial in
2: no. Baltimore? No, I don't. I don't. No,
0: because
2: uh-uh. Randy sprained his ankle in a warm-up, and <laughs> I didn't see it. I just I heard about it later. Yeah. I Randy feel I, and Adams. Adam, yeah. Oh, that's like. And they had a good shot to to qualify. Right. Yeah. For sure.
0: Yeah. Was Was that against? Uh, I don't know who they were playing Donovan. against. In the Whitmarsh,
2: not sure who they okay. were playing against. I wasn't there. That's okay. yeah,
1: yeah. How many teams were on the world tour at that time?
2: Um, oh, I don't know. There, obviously there's way more today. No, but like in more American countries. teams, how many teams actually went over? Because then it it, mar- it it was probably it was probably the two of the, those two teams and maybe one or two sporadically, huh. but nobody that was competing at. You know, none of the top AVP guys. But none then, of them. But then
1: a lot of those guys got a shot through the trials? Yeah. Oh, that's
2: interesting. I'm not <laughs> sure how many teams were in the trial, if it was 8 or 12 or 16. Yeah. Or, you know, I'm not sure. But, yeah. You know, I'm sure they limited it, you know, to a certain number. Yeah. And it, it was all about the AVP ranking and everything else, if you made it to the trial and then how they, you know, Right. Qualified. I always think
1: about right. that now, because, like, it seems to me, like, for sure... The best way to earn a position and to figure out who's the best team to go would be go prove yourself on the World Tour.
2: Absolutely.
1: But at the same time, it's like we could have a lot of value for our sport if we yeah. have the qualifier, right? Uh-huh. So it's like, which do we well, want?
2: Well, it's up to the national governing body to decide. USA. Yeah. Right. So they could very easily say the top-ranked American team on the World Tour will go automatically, and the second team will, and, and I propose that st- Several times, right? Yeah, several times. But they, f- for whatever reason, they didn't want to make the hard decision and mm-hmm. say, "Okay, well, well, the second position will be, you know, you have to have played in a certain number of international events. Right? You have to get to a certain level, and then you can play for that second position in a, in a national qualifier. Right? It seemed to make, you know, make the most sense. You get the best of both worlds. Yeah, absolutely. And your top team is locked. Yeah and then yeah it, you know your best team that competes best internationally is going to go mm-hmm. represent you yeah. your second team has to be a team that has competed internationally it should be right because then you, you know how they play like you said right. and then you know a certain number of teams and let them fight it out yeah. and it agree yeah, great for the US great for US television fans everything yeah it would make complete sense I agree. I
1: wonder what's holding it back. I, I, we were saying
2: decision makers, right? I think we were talking about a dot a
1: little bit, and he was, or we were saying, like you know how the ABP has the uh, gold series. Mm-hmm. They have their three big events. Just make it the combination of those three events. Yeah, that'd be great. Well, he, and then he, it's not one
2: event too. Well, like
1: here, if you get injured.
2: Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. It, and <laughs> the other, well. Where they run into a problem is if they wait too long to make the decision. If you make the decision right after the Olympics for right. the next Olympics, nobody can argue. Right, totally. Who's going to argue? Well, Yeah, but I think I'm going to be second, so i oh, okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It, yeah.
0: Yeah, totally. So we, we had it almost right the first time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. right
1: Well, the problem right now we don't have there's no collaboration between the domestic tour and USA volleyball. Yeah, it's complete separation. Yeah. which
2: is where we started. but but right? and that's ridiculous, too. The USAV can control that if they really wanted to and make some tough decisions. Mm-hmm. The decision is, if you want to play internationally and represent the US in, in international events and the Olympic Games, you must compete in a certain number of events that we sanction, whether we put it on ourselves or whether we sanction AVP or right. 1440 or whoever. That way it forces the AVP to talk to them and go, okay, we'll play by your rules, right. and, and we'll identify a certain number of events that would you know, rank teams and, and the top teams would be able to represent the United States mm-hmm. internationally. Uh, to me, it's really simple. I, I don't understand... Why they won't pull the trigger does
1: do you think that the domestic tour has i mean to me it makes like for sure I would think so, but does the domestic tour have a lot of value for u s a volleyball you'd think it would, absolutely it, well they everyone i just feel like it it seems like the way they're doing things. Could it have more value? value. They don't think it's valuable.
2: Could it have more value than than the perceived value today? Absolutely. There is a perceived value for, it depends who you look at. Maybe the players, no. But generally speaking, you know, you see the AVP and then you see those same players playing internationally. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you know how it works in the United States, the the, the team has to go through the USAV to to play internationally. And then you think, okay, USAV is playing a big role. Right. But they're not and they could they mm-hmm. could control the sport 100 percent. 100 percent. and the fact that they don't means that they're essentially
1: because the world tour is pulling us away from the domestic tour uh-huh. right now but if usa volleyball took that power and said you don't have to go play in these events we're gonna help you do it domestically then we don't have to go to these events we don't want to play and these four stars with crap money
2: mm-hmm
1: and and we can choose which AVPs we want to play and then go play in the real big ones. Yeah. And then, I mean, other AVP teams can choose if or yeah. if they want to go play in these smaller level yeah. events. Yeah. I mean, they already are. There's some teams nice. going and
2: playing in the, in the lower level. But yeah, really, for sure. But
1: e- even lower level teams, Right. Don't... I just hate how we have to go to a lot of events that we don't want to go to. Yeah, that we don't want to be here, yeah. but we're just chasing these points. Right. Yeah. Which is like, to fly across the well, world for that, when you have an event... In Hermosa Beach, like well, right here. Okay, well, that's part of the problem is is scheduling too, obviously. Oh, yeah. Well, from what I've heard, it's AVPs stopped trying to move their schedule around because yeah. FiBB a few times moved they moved their schedule they on did, top of theirs. They, they and, don't.
2: They don't do that intentionally. So they don't talk, or no, AVP. they don't. When you're talking about one promoter who has one event right in in his country. And he's he's picking a iconic spot to have his event, mm-hmm. and he's dealing with the city and everything. You know, they 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 don't have the option to go right, right, one right. week or two weeks forward right. or, or backwards. Totally. You know, they're putting on the event on the best possible weekend they have for their one event. That's going to cost them two to three million dollars, maybe more. Right. Maybe more. Yeah. And so it's not like they're going. Well, let's see if we can screw Do the, the ABP. ABP. Right. Totally. <laughs> that's not that's not what happens. Yeah. It just it's not even close. Right. No, I totally believe that. Yeah, It's just
1: tough. It's like a problem that seems like it needs to be figured out. Yeah. Like that needs to be a priority.
2: Well, uh, you know, there's enough American teams to always send teams to all the international events mm-hmm. and still keep good teams here in the U.S. Right. But not, and, if we're, not if the Olympic points are on the line, which is two years out of every quad. Yeah, yeah. But... Remember how many teams can go, and that's the other thing that's wild is is why <laughs> why we're even allowing teams to go play in qualifiers. Mhm. Why why aren't they doing that here? Right. That's another. I mean, question. how stupid! You're flying across the world to play one game, maybe right. one game. <laughs> you lose, you're done. You win, you go to the main draw. Yeah.
1: I don't know why they do that either, even if you're the players, the you, you just hire a ref and say, we'll just go down the Yeah, beach by absolutely
2: or, or maybe our national governing body can play a role in that. They've done that. Like I know of they've it's had little events. It's on and off. Yeah, 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 they go to Annenberg or they go to you know but wherever.
1: I wonder what is the decision that makes it like, oh, this qualifier is going to be over there versus this qualifier. I it's think, been in Manhattan Beach some story. of it yeah.
0: some of it was based on the FIVB schedule, so like for the four week. For the four China events, for example, like they're not going to have a country quota in the U.S. in the middle of that. Like They're going to say, oh, fly back in right. the U.S., yes. have your country quota. Yep. Right. Oh, that's a good so point. So they've yeah. had... But they've they can group events.
2: They can group events and have a qualifier for, you know, two or three events or right. four maybe. I don't know. And say, everybody knows if they know in advance and they know what's going mm-hmm. on... and. Boom! Beginning of the year. Yeah, and and the USAV again. If they if they were willing to make hard decisions, they could say we're not entering you into a qualifier. You must qualify here.
1: That makes sense. If I
0: were a player, though,
1: and well, like, a, a country quota, right? Because you'd have yeah, to play
0: country quota, yeah,
2: country yeah. quota, yeah, right.
0: yeah. If yeah. I were a player, though, and, and you know, I had a country quota in Xinjiang, like like all right, we're I'll I'll cover the refs. Yeah,
1: that's what like, I was going to say. We're playing
0: here. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not going for the country
1: quota. Yeah. One of us is going to lose the country quota. And yeah. then the other one's got to get through the qualifier just to get our flight money back. Right. Yeah. And these are the best teams in the world. Yeah. Like, let's just pay for it. Loser, uh... Loser pays the case. for the ref? <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: And you still save or, probably five hundred, like six hundred bucks on the Yeah. Flight. Or winner pays for the ref. Or winner, there you <laughs> go. Yeah. But that play, they still got to go to the qualifier. So yeah, yeah. I don't know.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and the other thing that's that's tough that that we've worked on for years at the FIVB and I don't know where they are right now, but. There's too many teams playing on the world tour from from all over the world that have done okay, but they can't be knocked out of the frickin' main draw. They should either, I mean, they should protect maybe their top eight in the main draw or maybe, you know, a few more top 12 and then let everyone else fight to get into the main draw, you know, in a a qualifier. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Single elimination, boom. And that way, you're going to see an up and down much more often than now. Where if you start from scratch, you know it's very difficult to get into a main draw. Yeah. Right.
0: I see that more. I see it more on the AVP, I think, than the FIVB, where you know you get AVP guys just taking a 13th and 9th, sitting yeah. on points yeah. from like two years yeah. ago. Um, but yeah. the FIVB was kind of wild because you know you had the Latvian number one team. Was in the qualifier for half the year. They got Doesn't make down. any sense. Yeah, so it's. Um, Doesn't
2: make any sense. Carrie Walsh in the qualifier. How much yeah. sense does that make, you know? <laughs> and well, she should get, you know, wild cards anyway. Just, but. All right, know. we're
1: going to pause here and take a quick second to acknowledge our lovely sponsors.
0: Support for Sandcast comes from a new sponsor, Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels, which in beach volleyball, this is a well-groomed sport. You want to be looking good out there, which is why our code for 20% off is look good, play good. And you also want Manscaped because everyone knows or probably knows a guy who has had a uh, a troubling Manscaped story. I had a a buddy in my fraternity who used scissors down there, and it just doesn't Work all that well all the time, and that's why you have Manscaped here to help you out. It's redesigned the electric trimmer. Their lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary skin safe technology, so this trimmer won't nick or snag your nuts. You don't need that in your life, trust me. Manscaping accents are finally a thing of the past. Try. Well, and don't use the same trimmer on your face as you're using on your balls.
1: (laughs) That's just nasty. Manscaped also has the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You're already using deodorant on your armpits. Why are you not using deodorant on the smelliest part of your body? Go ahead and get 20% off, plus free shipping, with the code LOOKGOODPLAYGOOD at manscaped.com.
0: Always use the right tools for the job, ladies and gentlemen. Your balls will thank you. So that is 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code look good, play good today. Speaking of balls,
1: Travis, Wilson just came out with a new ball. That's the new optics ball with the OPTX technology. It's definitely been my favorite ball since I was a kid. I used to play with Wilson back at the Outrigger canoe club, as everyone's heard many times over the podcast. And, uh, Honestly, the Wilson's the best ball in the world. If you talk to any of the athletes, the Americans, they all want to be playing with the Wilson. There's a reason that those are the balls you're seeing out on the beaches, whether it's California or Florida or somewhere in between. The Wilson ball is the go-to, and now there's a completely different look that is built to make you perform better, to see the ball better, but it's the same feel. So go to Wilson.com, get yourself a new ball, because if you don't have a new ball, then, you know, you're just... You're just that guy on the beach or girl. And use promo code WILSONSAND to get your discount today. I'd like to take this moment to let all of you know about Firefly Recovery, something that I take on the road with me when I'm traveling. I usually use it on the plane because you know how your legs get all swollen when you're traveling across the world, is a way for us to recover faster with increased blood flow. There's these knee straps, and they have these nerve stimulators on them, and Basically, it helps you recover, and you'll see a lot of beach volleyball players wearing them, and uh, you need to get yourself a pair today at fireflyrecovery.com. All right, everybody, now it's time for your Pacific Coast Wealth Management Olympic Update. It's been quite a grind in this 2019 season, and the season is finally over, so we are officially in the off-season. The top American team is Taylor Crab and Jake Gibb, and they're in the eighth spot in the world. Triborne, yours truly. And Trevor are in the 10th spot. Meanwhile, Philip Dahlhauser and Nick Lucenter in the 17th spot, still looking to fill two more finishes uh, to get their 12th. And then on the women's side, April Ross, as always, is in the second spot with Alex Kleinman. They've been dominating this year. But in the fifth spot, Carrie Walsh Jennings and Brooke Sweat. In the sixth spot, Sarah Sponsel and Kelly Clays. Yes, the American women are absolutely stacked. And in the seventh spot, Kelly Larson and Emily Stockman. It is going to be an insane qualification year in 2020. We're all looking forward to it. Hopefully, Born and Crab are there. Aloha. And now back to the show.
2: It, there should be an easier, you know, rotation of players coming in and a new team should be able to get into the main draw if they're good enough quickly they can they can go through the qualifier get to the main draw win the tournament and and be in the qualifier for the rest of the season
1: yeah what about the system that the WSL the World Surf League has where they have the championship tour and the qualifying tour yeah top four teams or so from the qualifying series that year, goes to the championship tour.
2: For the whole four, year?
1: For the whole year. And the bottom four, however many, go to the qualifying series. How about series. for
2: every event? Ooh. Protect Ooh. protect the top eight teams mm-hmm. and have everyone else qualify.
0: So, so if you... That's true. So if like 16 team draw, like if you go to a barbecue, then you're qualified for the next one?
2: Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. And the top quality teams in.
2: But I... I, I, That's interesting. I propose something different. And, you know, I said, play single elimination in the main draw and and the qualifier. And then you can have a lot more teams in the main draw. And, you know, you can have a lot more fluctuation, too. You know, it it might be better for teams to have an opportunity to play in more events on the world, you know, in the main draw, whatever. Mm -hmm. But the rest of the world doesn't freaking know or care. If you're looking at our sport in a way to, you know, build our sport, nobody cares that this team was able to play two or three games in that (laughs) event. Nobody cares. Nobody. Mm -hmm. Except the players. Right. You know? Yeah. But, hey, if you're good enough, you'll be there. If you're not, you're going to be there. (laughs) So I've each each quadrennial, I, I come up with my
0: proposals <laughs> New ideas, yeah,
2: yeah. And, and do you get yeah. to voice these ideas because I know yeah, no, I send them directly to the president and to yeah. you know yeah hmm. they see it they see it. They're, uh-huh. it but it's those hard decisions you know right. changing something where all the players and you know going crazy and, and they can do it well, who, what are the players going to do well, all, the players all get are together kind of going and, crazy right now now, uh, for
1: what? Just on the world tour right now, the way that, uh, just the star system, I think, at the top is, you can't really make a great living Yeah. with three five stars, you know? Yeah. And then the four stars, like, you get a bronze, you get 5,000 bucks. Mm-hmm. Which is pretty difficult in a stacked four star. Yeah. Um, What's first place in a four star? 20. Which is, like, the average AVP now. So now the AVP tour has better money for us. It legitimately yeah. does. For sure. And now, but we're still having to go to the world yeah. tour because yeah. we want this Olympic dream. Yep. Um, when really we want to be making more money on the AVP and playing for our home country and fans. Yep. And so it's an interesting spot. But from what I understand, the FIVB is kind of aware of it. I know there's a players union that was made on the world tour. It's
2: never worked. Well, yeah. Because players don't communicate. Yeah, it's not. Unfortunately. hmm You know, they they have to have regular communication, and they have to be communicating with the FIVB. And and I say we because when I was there, we tried it all the time. And right. It just it. You know, it it would get to the point where if they didn't like something, it, they waited till the last minute, and they created a big problem. Right. When it was too late to change yeah, or fix. Yeah, or... yeah. It, it, the changes have to come at the beginning of the quadrennial. Totally. Because if you change something a year or two years in, all the players are going, <gasps> <laughs> Yeah, totally. You know, totally. which, which I, I think if you're making a change, that's going to make the sport better, then you should be able to do it at any time. Right. Uh, you know, but that's just me. Yeah,
0: totally. <laughs> How is it that you've remained so passionate about this game for so long because you grew up playing and you were so involved as a player and then you know obviously like when you were playing you were also kind of helping the fivb come along and you helped, well, helped the avp, AVP and, and yeah. you've well, done so much
2: I, I i it wasn't anything i said oh i'm gonna do this right it just it you know i came at a time i mean I, you have to love the sport first you know yeah. and i played because i love the sport There's no money, you know, but we wanted to go out and train and play because it was cool, it was great, it was awesome, Mm. you know, it was competitive and everything else. Great parties. (laughs) It was just a fringe benefit, you know. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) They're always better if you won, though. Right, totally. (laughs) Although, when we were traveling all over here in the U.S., and and (laughs) the guys that had the most fun are the guys who lost out in the quarterfinals on Saturday. (laughs) Right, yeah, yeah, (laughs) the player party. Yeah, on Saturday night, Sunday, you know, you you know yeah <laughs> it
0: still was a little different but,
2: but still you, you know winning was good right 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 totally. <laughs> it took care of everything else
0: mm-hmm. yeah. yeah
2: but uh, I you know how does that happen I you know it just it, it happened yeah. timing and you know the sport became professional I you know if you asked me in college was I going to make a living at beach volleyball there's no chance right. no chance at all was it going to be an Olympic sport no way. No chance. We hadn't even played internationally yet. Right. You know, and, and, you know, as an American player at that time, you, you didn't know what it took to become an Olympic sport anyway. You yeah. think that somebody says, okay, yeah, that's going to be an Olympic sport. We had no idea. You had to have events around the world, and you had to have, you know, a bunch of countries participating. It had to be accessible to, to almost anybody, which our sport was perfect, you right. know, because anybody could play. Right. And indoor volleyball was already big, but that was, it was... It was very big, but it was hard for a country to start indoor volleyball. You needed an in- indoor facility. You needed you know, 12 players. You needed all the stuff. Right. On the beach, you needed two coconut trees and a net and two <laughs> players. <you know? laughs> and in- any country could participate. That was a huge
0: bonus. Do you think that's why we're seeing so many countries now That are so good at beach because you only need two? Absolutely, absolutely. You just got your main powers.
2: Countries countries that never would have participated in an Olympic Games. Norway? Yeah, well, Norway (laughs) and Sweden and so many other countries up there that now have all the indoor facilities. And and parts, well, just look at our countries a a good example of, of, you know, it was only Southern California. Right. And then it was, you know, Florida and then Mm -hmm. different places. And then it was. The whole country because of indoor facilities right indoor sand and it's you know africa you know any country can field a team and now with with the way the qualification system works you know you have the continents each have a position so you have a better opportunity within africa to qualify a team
0: yeah
2: you know and same for asia and same you know so it's it's really really a good sport, for more countries to be involved in. Yeah, because it's it's cheap, and you don't need a ton of athletes. Right. Totally. Yeah, there's a
1: few countries who qualify, like Mexico. Like they have one team. Yeah. Chile's got one team. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of, but like those are but quality. One. Norway team. I mean they yeah. basically have one team that's yeah. in the main draw those damn
2: kids and they're the they've best been playing <laughs> <In> the <world. laughs> yeah but it was because what we did you know and oh, how totally. it grew in Norway and yeah. these kids now they're in school <laughs> to play volleyball right. right volleyball school yeah yeah and and they're freaking really they good up watching film they're good athletes they have to be good athletes to right. start they they apparently love the game. Mm-hmm. They're they're students of the game. They totally. knew, they knew who me and Randy were. Oh, I yeah. mean, it was it, really neat to see. Them. And they're good kids too. Yeah, really good kids. They just happen to be awesome volleyball players too.
0: Yeah, Punks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is huh? it fun to go ahead?
2: Yeah, I was going to say anyone can be beat. I agree. <laughs> sure. I was like
0: two swings away from it this mm-hmm. year. Is it uh, fun when you and Randy kind of commentate together and you know kind of running into people that like watched you and Randy play either growing up or just look to you guys as like like that's who I want to play like? Because I'm sure that that has happened.
2: You, you mean when we're years. at the beach at an event? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah. what happens? What happens a lot is people who watched us play. You know, they would come up and they go, "God, it was so awesome when you guys played." Yeah. You know. That's really neat. That that makes you feel really good that you had an impression on people, you know, when they were watching you when you were playing in your heyday. It's cool. It's really cool. Yeah. It's a it's a good feeling.
0: Yeah. It was fun when um, me and Hagen played in Chicago uh, before the night before he was watching film, and I was like, "Who are you watching?" He just said, "My dad." He's like, I just, <laughs> "I just watch my dad all the time." <laughs> no way. <laughs> yeah. So that was pretty cool. And and it's funny. I, I I'm
2: sure he saw. Th- Things on the film that I didn't, that I don't, or I wouldn't teach him, you mm-hmm. know, because yeah, everybody's different. You play a certain way mm-hmm. based on a lot of different things, and and I learned, I continued to learn throughout my whole career, and based on all that knowledge is what I try to teach him. Or you know, when I was there, I would right. tell you things that didn't normally wouldn't necessarily happen, you know, back in eighty five, you know, right, or eighty seven. Right. But throughout all the years but there's so many things that randy and i figured out and and i learned from ron von hagen i learned a lot from him that just the very basics of what you need to do to to eliminate mistakes because that's the key mm. if you don't make mistakes it's very hard to lose really. um, so I, I you know all all the knowledge that I have is what I try to impart to him, and it's not always exactly what I did along the way. Right. It's what I learned along the mm-hmm, way. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. So well, I don't know what he was looking at.
0: <laughs> I think we were watching. Um, <laughs> I know that I've watched your uh, Olympic match, um, you and Carl yeah. against uh, Karch and Kent yeah. quite a bit. That's one of, I think, the best matches of all time. Yeah, yeah, I remember it. <laughs> uh,
2: I remember a lot of it. <laughs> I bet. It was a wild
0: one. I don't know if you've ever watched it, but... I
1: have. Uh, I know I've seen highlights from it. Hmm. I'd love to sit down and watch it. I told Travis. I need him to get me out and watch more films. Just watching YouTube. Just YouTube and <laughs> I just don't watch enough. Yeah, I think you can learn so much. I mean, you need to play Is more important. Actually, I mean, after this conversation, I'm like, damn, I, I think I need to train like <laughs> seven days a
2: week, double days. Well, yeah. If I well, had a Jose. choice, I wouldn't be watching video. I mean, uh, you can learn. I, I, I don't doubt it from watching, particularly, other teams, right, right. figuring out tendencies. But I always knew that what somebody does against another team, they're not going to necessarily do against you. Right. There's certain things that they'll always do, but, but you can't rely upon. Well, oh, we're going to play him this way because I saw him do totally, this. yeah. You've got to figure out, and that's that was what was good about side out ball is you could play with somebody, you know, and, and figure out what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And you could take a little time to do that. Right. You can't do that now. Uh-huh. You've got to figure out where the weakness is early on. And you've, you've got to be able to make a switch very quickly.
0: Yeah. Something's
2: not working in two or three tries, you've got to go to something else. Yeah, exactly. And, you know. Or, or even right away that after could be one why, try.
1: Like when you were talking about the short serve earlier, I was like, "Gosh, maybe I should do that more." And I'm like, "But then when you short serve someone and they bounce one or two, then it's like, let's get away from this." Yeah, you know, well, it, that's your instinct. Yeah,
2: was- they, and, and it, it's just like, okay, where do most people hit? They don't hit down the line; they hit cross court most of the time. Most people right right? right? right. You go up your first play, and you reach into the cross court, and they. Bounce the line. Right. The rest of the game, that's the one you're thinking about. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 You know, and you're like, you're like, oh, I don't want that to happen again. And it's yeah. like burned, burned, right. burned, burned mm-hmm. on the angle. Right. And it's just
0: yeah. Totally. Yeah. Well, I know uh, we've kept you here for a while, yeah. and it's uh, it's getting pretty late. So I well, thought we were just we're starting. starting. There's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot. There's a lot more. more. We can have you back in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sure. We, want. we need to do yeah.
2: episode two for sure. Any time.
0: Um, yeah, we do, uh, we do have a, a new final question um, yeah. for our guests. Um, before we get to that, like, where could people reach you? Or I know that you, know, you, you do a lot of camps and stuff. So yeah. if, Say we have some adult listeners who want to get their, their kids over to you. Where could they find you?
2: Um, beachvolleyballcamps.com or okay. singinvolleyball.com. And then everything I'm doing with licensing is at Kingofthebeach.com. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> Are you
0: guys doing a, a snow event?
2: This um, year? not sure. We I've spoken to the uh, to the FIVB. They they want more snow events. They'd love to have you know a presence here in the U.S. We we had the one, and you know it's it's funding. You know you got to have somebody yeah. put up some money to really event? make it good, huh? In Mammoth, I think. Where were you? I haven't gotten
0: right (laughs) there. Try it. That sounds good. Get to play the fun stuff. (laughs) I'm also not good
1: cold. Like my hands go numb right away. But uh, I'd love to play in that one day. I'll
2: I'll have to give you some video to to attach to your thing. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. it 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 was it was awesome. Um, It was right outside. Do you know Mammoth? Mm-hmm. yes you know the deck where you sit uh-huh. looking up the hill it was right there i uh, yeah so yeah. i feel
1: like i've seen them set up like a really bad net there yeah. just for the people like drinking and
2: yeah i don't know if lunch. i was, yeah. I don't know if they did that but but this was we set up and we had you know a few teams playing we actually it was part of a charity event and then we had a little competition but uh it was a, a yearly charity event that mammoth puts on and some of the the ski ski racers came out and played and Oh, wow. We had That's we awesome. had the the cat come down and light the court at night. That's you know, epic. with their lights, it was awesome. That's and it's And such a beautiful setting—the gondolas going over ahead and the lifts are going up, and people are skiing down. It was it was really neat. That is really. Uh, cool. yeah, it. it was an yeah. ideal location. Yeah, it was yeah. great. I mean, for that. And it's right. close to Southern California. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Like, You put that on a few more yeah. times and get you could get yeah. some a yeah. crowd to drive up there and, for and,
2: sure, and, sure. and Mammoth is all about it. There, I mean. That part of the equation is good. They're more than willing to work with us and, and you know, have an event. It's just you, you need a little more than that to, yeah. to attract players. and I mean, Mammoth will help with hotels, too, because they have the yeah. hotel right there. So the, there's a lot of things that, that are in place that just need a little bit more to, to make need, it happen. You need the Sandcast crew. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> teamed up with the McKibben bros. Yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh.
0: <laughs> Taking on the world, dancing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you talked to Kevin about the entertainers about Qatar Cutter. Yeah, about the four yeah. man. Yeah. yeah,
1: they all loved it. it had a blast and the there. girls too. Yeah, yeah. We had some of the girls on actually.
2: Yeah, they had a they had a slow start. The guys did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah They were trying to <laughs> figure did. out their.
0: Uh... They barely made it out. Yeah. Well, I told them. Cool.
2: I told them from the very start what to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: because well, you probably played a fair amount. of four man um well no I guess no you probably we
2: never wouldn't. had time but we barely played in the six man
0: okay
2: you know back when because yeah. we were you know at one point we had over 20 dates we were running around the country right and and you know just because the man, six man was happening right. my beer didn't care they you know right. we were in Chicago or yeah. we were in you know mm-hmm. Texas somewhere you know we were somewhere so we didn't get to play in, in a lot of the fun events you yeah. know you know for years and years but uh but I, I I don't know if you've seen the picture, the one six-man team that we had was uh, me and Randy, Hov and Dodd, um, and then we had a few other people. still, <laughs> still So the, the four of us, and it was, it, you know, it was a it's lot of fun. The four of the yeah. six best players of your generation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was, that was good.
0: Yeah. <laughs> But uh, the, uh, the final question that we do have yeah. uh, for our guests is um, what is your why in beach volleyball? What do you mean? Like, why are you so passionate about the game? Like, why, you like, why have, you, have you been in it for so long? Well, growing up, I mean, if I
2: was... Uh, if I grew up in St. Louis where my parents were from and there were seven kids in my family and so at that time if i was in another part of the country i would have played maybe baseball or maybe right. you know another sport never would have even seen volleyball right. i mean a lot of people never saw it until we went across the country
0: yeah. you know
2: in the in the 80s um but growing up here in southern california my dad would take all of us all seven of us to the beach and throw us out into the sand and mm-hmm. it just happened to be sorrento beach where the top players at the time von hagen lang sells nick back and forth uh uh, Mingus, Lee, Shimalis, yeah. all these guys, that's where they play. So, at that period of time, and even through my generation, the the vast majority of all the Opens won were from Santa Monica. Yeah. All the guys from Santa Monica. And so, obviously that didn't mean anything to me when I was this big, right. you know, but I, I would be there watching, and everyone would crowd around the courts when these guys would play. I would run after the ball and throw it back to them, and <laughs> And in high school, I played indoor at Loyola High School, went away from the beach because I was busy with school and, you know, starting to play indoors. And then that the summer after my senior year in high school, um, Al Skates, he he recruited me during my senior year and he asked me if I wanted a job down at the beach club in Santa Monica. And I said, absolutely. You know, so I went down there and I taught volleyball and paddle tennis. And on my days off, I would play beach volleyball for the first time kind of competitively mm. with other people who could play. And, and got good pretty quickly. Went back to Sereno on my days off, Monday and Tuesday, and, and played against Von Hagen and Shamalas and the other really, really good guys. And here I am, an 18-year-old kid who right. just started playing, but I could compete with them. And they, and they all said, well, why aren't you playing in the tournaments? I go, well, I have a job on the weekends. Yeah. I can't do that. I made sure after that year that I didn't <laughs> have a job on the weekends and I started playing that next year after my freshman year at UCLA, you know, every summer for 25 years, you know, on the beach. Yeah. So, growing up at the beach, seeing all the top players having that kind of impression on you as a kid, Kind of, you know that leaves a big impression, yeah. mm-hmm. and and then playing and the you know it, it's interesting. I, I love indoor volleyball. I loved it playing, competing, and everything else. But there's something about beach volleyball that there's a freedom of of you know expression basically. No one's telling you what to do. Mm-hmm. Right. You're you're figuring it out on your own. You're you're doing trying and you know you're you're being very creative. It, as an individual playing even though you're getting all your tips and everything by watching everybody else you're seeing what works for you and you're trying it if it works you, you know you continue to develop as a player and that's all about you mm. it, at that time obviously coaches help everybody now but still each player is an individual in how they play and in that part of it that individuality of it would you know was kind of a big deal for me at at that age at the 18, 19, 20, 20, you know, and then carried through for the rest of my career. Yeah. I don't know if that answers the question, yeah, but that sure. gives you a little history of where I started, where yeah.
0: I came from, and, you know, and then it, you know, it went from there. It went. <laughs> yeah, well, you've uh, just wanted to acknowledge, like, the impact that you've had on the game. Mm-hmm. I mean, just kind of the, the beach world as we know it, like, kind of started... With you guys and like, yeah. I mean you especially and, and Randy, you know mm-hmm. taking the chances and getting fined seventy grand yeah. to play overseas. So yeah. we appreciate you and the sure. and the impact you've had on it.
2: And I'm happy to come back and you know we've just scratched the surface. Oh, there's, yeah, there's tons true. more. For sure, <laughs> we'll we'll, uh,
0: we'll have you back on. Well, I guess it's now 2020, so we'll have you back. That's on right. a little bit Later, yeah. <laughs> In 2020. Okay. Thanks for coming on. All right, thank you. you. Happy, happy New Year's, everybody.
1: the Corner Brew.